Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and Dean, you're acting like a first-year fucking podcaster. I'm acting like a professional. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey. I am going to bark all day. That's a, that's a strong bite we've got there. Nice. <laughs> and today we're breaking down Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. So, Reservoir Dogs released in 1992. When a simple jewellery heist goes horribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. A rat. A rat. A mole, perhaps. No, I think think it's a rat. It's a rat. It's definitely a rat. Yeah, there's no mole patrol. Starring Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, Kirk Boltz, and Eddie Bunker. Did you say Quentin Tarantino? I'm about to. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. And starring. Sure it is. Yeah, Tarantino actually cast himself originally as Mr. White. Yeah. You believe the ego on this guy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's look at some trivia here, Dean. Number one, armed with $30,000 and a 16mm camera, Quentin Tarantino was all set to make the film with a bunch of friends, including his producing partner, Lawrence Bender, who was going to play Nice Guy Eddie. It was then that Tarantino received an answering phone message from Harvey Keitel, asking if he could not only be in the film, but help produce it. See, how does that happen? I think they were actually going through a lot of different people to try and get their film financed, and in the end, word of mouth finally got to Harvey Keitel, who called them. Said, hey, I've read this Reservoir Dog script. I'll he must have to loved it. Oh, imagine they getting that answering machine message. Like, absolutely loved it. Quentin, it's uh, Harvey Keitel. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're sending the wolf? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there in uh, 9 minutes and 37 seconds. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you just let me speak for one more sentence, I would have told you exactly what happened here. <laughs> Keitel had gotten involved via the wife of Bender's acting class teacher, who had managed to get a copy of the script to him, and Keitel's involvement helped raise the budget to $1.5 million. That's massive for a first-time director. I reckon it is. $1.5 million. Yeah, especially going from 30000 to $1.5 million. Do you reckon that 30000 was his money? Yes, like a Kevin Smith-type clerk's thing. Sold everything he had to make mm. his, his first little film. Crazy. Number two, the film's budget was so low that many of the actors were asked to simply bring their own clothing as wardrobe. Yeah, I remember reading that Michael Madsen used his own yellow car in the scene where he goes yeah. to the trunk. And uh, Chris Penn bought his own uh, tracksuit jacket set. That was his. Yeah, such such as the style at the time. <laughs> Not great, Chris. The signature black suits were provided for free by the designer, based on her love of the American crime film genre. Steve Buscemi wore his own black jeans instead of suit pants. And like you said, Michael... Oh, no, he didn't say that. Michael Madsen wore a jacket and pants that came from two different suits. Huh. Hmm. There you go. Number three, Quentin Tarantino wanted James Woods to play a role in the film and made him five different cash offers. Woods' agent refused the offers without even mentioning it to James Woods, as the sums offered were well below Woods' usual salary. When Tarantino and Woods later met for the first time, Woods learned of this offer and was annoyed enough to fire his agent. Which is bullshit, honestly. Like, you know what Woods is like. He would be like, don't you fucking waste my time with anything under this amount, blah, blah, and the amounts would be so low. Yeah. So low. Here's what it would have been like. The agent would have been like, I've got this, this script, Reservoir Dogs. Why are you sending me this shit? You're fired. <laughs> this guy was done anyway. <laughs> Number four, Madonna, who was the main topic of the opening conversation, obviously, really liked the film, 
but refuted Quentin Tarantino's interpretation of her song, Like a Virgin. She gave him a copy of her erotica album and signed it to Quentin. It's not about dick, it's about love. Madonna. Dick, 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 dick. <laughs> the uh, love, 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 love doesn't really work as much. No. How many loves is that? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And number five, budget of $1.2 million in the end. Mm. Domestic gross, $2.8 million. Domestic gross, that is. Just in America. Ouch. Yeah? The film was released in America with almost no promotion, so it didn't do that well at the box office in America. However, in England, it was such a huge hit, the film actually grossed more than double than that of in America, that Quentin Tarantino would be mobbed as he walked down the streets in London and obviously spawned a whole Brit- a genre of British crime films that came out after that. Mm, still pretty low amounts, though. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously got much more, much bigger when Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously people went back to Reservoir Dogs. And that's where it sort of yeah, took off. Yeah, bit. exactly. But let's take a look at the history of Reservoir Dogs in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted on the very first list, 26th of April, 1996, at its highest rank of 23. Wow. Yeah. It is high. Very high. But since then, all it's done for the last 25 years is steadily declined to 89. It's all that's it's done. pretty good. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that is just a just a very just a casual line, not too far, done very well. That's solid. 8.3 over 925,000 votes. Very nice. Yes, but I wonder if we think it's a very nice scene, this movie. I have a feeling we do, Hendo. I think we do as well. Let's get into it. So apparently, Like a Virgin is all about a girl who just wants a big dick. Yeah. Yeah. What a fu- like what a funny intro. It's the first line of the movie from yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Like, is this not the setup for Quentin Tarantino himself? It's Quentin Tarantino off screen saying, Let me tell you about this like a virgin man. If had a girl wants a big dick. It's like <laughs> I haven't even seen this guy yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the camera movement here as well around this table because it's just circling the table. Yeah. And it feels like like all the shots are over someone else's shoulder. Yep. And it's like you're sitting at the table with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it really does put you at this table. Yeah. At this group of guys. And I love that, and I can't imagine like how messy this script would have looked, but you've got multiple conversations happening at once here. Yep. Like Toby. Toby Wong. Toby Wong. <laughs> Toby, Toby. Who the fuck is Toby? <laughs> and then you got the conversation. Yeah. But Tarantino's also like, I, I, I'm losing my train of thought here. Why, why are you, ask, why are you yeah. guys all talking? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's what you would do. If you have three different conversations going and you you catch your ear on one of those, yeah. you're like, oh, wait, what was I talking about? Yeah. 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 Awesome. It's just, it's such real dialogue. It's just, Which is it's just guys sitting around the table, Tarantino. just having a conversation. Yeah. And then you got Mr. With, Pink uh, talking about uh, not being uh, not tipping, which is just so memorable for me. Yeah. It's so funny. Speaks close to your heart. Yeah, I don't tip. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't tip? <laughs> I think everyone gets their time to shine here. You don't know who these people are yet, but you're starting to learn who they are just from these conversations. Yeah. And yeah, you're right because you do get some of their personality here where you get Mr. Blonde who's barely saying anything yep. and he's just doing the old... All and Mr. the White's Reservoir like, Dogs guns. Mr. White's just like, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. Oh, yeah, these guys are tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's good. Everyone has their time to shine. You're like, you don't... After this... This opening scene, you don't get a lot of Quentin Tarantino or Eddie Bunker, for that matter. Like, these two characters- Mr. Blue. I mean, I was about to say Mr. Blue is gone from here, but he does show up when they get their names, but I didn't think he says anything after that. But Tarantino obviously gets a little scene later on as well where he actually dies. Yeah. Yeah, and he- you know, thinks he's Mr. Shit as well. Yep. They're, they're done after this. But this this is their big key area where they make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good because having them, they're not really part of the story in the end. They're obviously dead by the time the actual story happens. So yeah. 
not focusing on them too much after this definitely helps. That makes sense. Yeah. And it, it is great that it is Tarantino that opens this film. It has to be. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. It is good. Lawrence Tierney is hilarious in this film. He's very funny, yes. His gruff voice just works so well. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, a, a teeny line from this opening scene. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Who didn't put in? <laughs> and Mr. Orange is like, <laughs> Mr. Pink. Why didn't he put in? He didn't tip. Shut up. Why didn't you tip? <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe in it. <laughs> Even when he's talking to Mr. White. What do you mean you don't believe in it? Yeah. It's just that gruff, like... I pay for breakfast. You foot the... T- Oh, normally, I don't. Never mind what you I don't normally care what you do. do. <laughs> yeah. He's just—he's like a. It's, a. it's a definitely a very Clint Eastwood gruff mm. Western kind of voice. Mm. But especially later on when he names all the names and that, like he's just—he's off the charts hilarious. Mm. Just you're not Mister Purple, you're Mister Pink. <laughs> well, I, I got another guy who's Mister Purple on another job. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just every line he brings out, he's just he's just angry all the time. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. What else do you know Lawrence Tierney from? Nothing. You do? Almost nothing. He is Elaine Bennis' dad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. George is great, just reacting the way everyone would around Lawrence Tierney. Master of the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Speaking of songs, man, this film has a lot of good songs, doesn't it? Especially right here. With the uh, opening credits of them walking down the car park, I guess it is. Yep. Little Green Bag. This is, I, I love this opening. It, it's so simplistic. It's, amazing. it's so simplistic. Yeah. Just the song playing, slow mo. Yeah, slow mo. A one of great. each person yep. with their name that comes up. Yep. And then just when that happens, looking for some happiness and with the, all their backs and just reservoir dogs. I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I'm so pumped. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's it's a great intro to all these people. Absolutely. But like continuing on from that, it's it starts off as this. Hey, it's just this this happy movie. Like these guys are going to go do something here. Mm. They're off having a good time. And then it start. You start to hear. You start to hear Mr. Orange. Like, and he's like, "I'm done. Yeah, I got yeah, it." It's yeah. like, what is going on? Yeah. Like yeah. the music is still playing. Happy, happy, happy. And just you hear this this pain. Yeah. Like, Oh god, what is happening? And then yeah. snap cut, and he's just covered in blood. Covered in blood, and you're like, "What is this?" It's so good. And Mr. White is like, "Mr. Oh, Harvey Keitel is so good in this." Absolutely. That he's yeah, his conversation here. Are you a doctor? Yeah. What? But I'm sorry. Are you a doctor? But the way he's, he's so you admit it, you don't know what you're talking about. He clearly the way he's delivering it, he knows he's full of shit. Like he's just trying to say something. Oh yeah. yeah. We're going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. This this scene, does it cut at all? Or is this just a, 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 like a like a swoop oh, back and forth I, to these guys? I don't recall. I think it's a very long shot of, of the camera just going back and forth to these guys. Yeah. And it's just so good. Uh, it's just these guys. And, and Tim Roth just plays it so well. Like Tim Roth's great. I can't believe you shot me. Fucking shot me, man. Yeah. Fucking shot me. And you think it at this point? You think it's because of the bank heist, or you don't realize how it happened? Mm. Because the way Mister White is talking throughout this is that he copped a bullet for this. Like he, yeah. this happened during the robbery. I mean, it's during the getaway. It may as well be. Yeah, but they they. It's don't... implied it's a cop that shoots him. Yeah, which is what's so great because they're looking for, you know, the undercover cop, 
and you're thinking you rule out Mr. Orange because he's been shot. Because he's been shot, and the implication is it's a cop who shot him. And because you got Mr. Pink throughout this whole thing going, there's, there's fucking cops everywhere. They just came out of nowhere. They just shot the place. Yeah. Yeah. And I really tried to cut, like, obviously do a very good job of covering the fact that Mr. Orange was shot by an innocent civilian because he was trying to jack your car. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it to this point where now we have this shot where they burst into the warehouse and the camera is just just all over the joint. Like, it is rampant. It is all over the joint because they are so disorientated and not knowing what to do here and they are stumbling into this place. Mm. So the camera follows that. Like, the in the car, it's just... Yep. Now it's chasing him along the place. I mean, it, it, the camera movement so far already... Like, you've had three different styles already. Like, in the in the first one, it's just smooth, yep. transitions around the yep. table, and now it's just frantic and all over the joint because they are in some deep shit at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. it really conveys that to you watching this. Okay, this is this is some deadly serious shit right now. Yeah, it is. But uh, Orange gets placed on this ramp in the warehouse, which, obviously, we spend most of the film in this warehouse. Yes. Um, you can certainly see when it was a $30,000 budget, you would only see this warehouse. Yeah. You wouldn't get the other cutaways and- the you know the brief glimpses of the you know the getaway i guess you wouldn't see any of that do you reckon you would get some form of conversation at the start or do you reckon it would start off with them like in the car uh mm, yeah probably you'd get the start but then you'd get bursting through yeah i mean they would not obviously they wouldn't have any money for music oh, i did read that a huge chunk of the budget went to stuck in the middle with you oh really yeah like the other songs were they were got them for pretty cheap but that was the big one that was the one he wanted yeah eh? Uh, Tim Roth's great here. He's really portraying that. I'm fucking scared, Larry. Yeah, will you hold me? <laughs> and I never, I never realised prior to this watch. I mean, okay, so how many, how many times have you seen this film? I mean, I've seen it a lot. Eight. Yeah, I'd be, I'd probably ticking over ten now, maybe uh, around there. Is that he is so desperate to get to the hospital because he's like, just draw me off, just draw me off. Yeah, because he's, he's not, he'll he's be fine. A cop. He's yes. fine. And, Wait, you never realised that? No, I didn't even pick up on it. I won't, I won't fucking say anything, man. I won't fucking tell him anything. Yeah, and he and, and <laughs> just and drop me at the front. Yeah. Mister White's like, you'll be fine because if we leave you there, you're gonna you're gonna get done. Yeah, yeah. We got a doctor coming. He's like, no, no, just please, just please take me. I'll be mm. fine. I promise. Yeah. 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 Yep. And at this point as well, like he knows the place is surrounded by cops. Yeah, because he knows they're coming. He's he's probably thinking, why aren't they coming to get me? No, he knows that they won't oh, come they in won't until, come until Joe, Joe shows up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's why he's like, like, get Joe fucking get Joe here, please. Yeah. 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 If he knows if he's not going to the hospital, he's trying to get them get Joe here right now with with the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Pink shows up. Steve Buscemi. Is that a fucking setup or what? He's so good in this film. How good is that line from him? He's like, ah, oh, they tagged Orange. Oh, yeah. Tagged Orange. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Buscemi is, he is the, like he says, he's the professional in this group. He's like the, is he the, like the normal guy? Yeah, he's the one who is strictly out for himself. Yeah. Like, and they Self-interested. Said, they said, no. No, that he is because he doesn't care about Mr. Orange and all that. In what way? When he's talking to White privately, yeah. and they're talking about, oh, he said my name. What are you saying your name for? Like, this guy's going to be gone in a minute. Like, what you, like, like, just be a professional and do the right thing. Like, mm. don't tell me your name. Just, we're here to do a job, and then we're done. Yeah. Who cares what happens? Be out for yourself. And the fact that it really is sort of set up in his conversation about the tips as well. Like, he doesn't, he's out for himself. Like, he doesn't care yeah. about other people, and they owe their woes. Like, there's yeah. a violin. Uh, yeah. For me, the problem I have with Mr. Pink here is I do not for a second buy that he comes back to the warehouse. Every single thing he says screams, he's certain it's a setup, they know about this place, and just because he acknowledges once, 
I should have my fucking head examined for coming back here. They know about the robbery. They certainly fucking know about this place. But he's still he's still there. Like, why? He's got the diamonds. He's got the diamonds. Oh, yeah, he I was going to n- say. He does not go back to the warehouse to get his cut. He has the diamonds. Do you think, though, that if he leaves with the diamonds, then he's just going to have everyone after him? Maybe, but wait a day. Just be like, listen, I've got them. It's all good. I'm not stealing them. I just, I was so certain with how things went down that it was a setup and I couldn't trust this place. I cannot, I cannot honestly justify Mr. Pink, with all that he says, actually going back to the warehouse. Okay, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Never really thought of it. I feel like he's just. I guess because he is a professional and this is this is the job, like this is the routine. We meet back here and we work out work it out from there. Yeah. Routine changes. Not for this professional. Well, it should. And he knows it. And that's the issue. Like White doesn't think it was a setup. So he instantly goes back to the warehouse. I mean, I, I agree with your assessment on what he what he should have done. I just I can see the other side where he is the professional and the routine of the job is to meet back here, to rendezvous and get everyone back here and then they head off. Even if you know that there are cops waiting there. That makes no sense. I mean, he doesn't He doesn't know. No, he, he's he suspects. He, he suspects. is certain. He suspects. Get off it. He's certain. He should not have gone back to the warehouse. Eh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Another great line from Pink. He's like, oh, where's Brown? He's dead. Oh, how did he die? How do you think he died? They shot him. <laughs> the the scene we get here where he's uh he's recollecting what had happened afterwards and he's getting chased by the cops and that. I think it's good. Oh, the cut to scene yeah. where he's running down yeah. the street. Apparently you you can see the camera in that in the reflection of the mirror as they as Buscemi's running along. I didn't see it. No, I've never seen it. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's as action packed as as this movie gets, honestly. Yeah. It's you know, the, it's so funny when he, he knock he crashes into the guy. Get the fuck out of my way! <laughs> As he's running along, and he, like he's clearly like he doesn't care about death and all that because he gets that car and just unloads his gun like just bang 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 bang. I love how the cop gets it as well. Like there is stakes to this. The cop get, gets in the hip or something ah! as he falls over. Like it is nonstop. And he, like, he rips the girl out of the bloody out of the window. Yeah, yeah. Apparently- that cop, that cop that gets shot. Before you move on to the girl, that cop that gets shot. The editing there was out of sync because you see him get shot from one angle, then it cuts the other angle, then he gets shot again. It's really annoying. Oh, all right. I noticed it. That's all. <sighs> Nitpicky bastard is what you are. Hey. If you saw it, you would have complained about it. No. Oh, not for this movie because, you know, it's you. What? What are you saying? I'm saying that you have subjective uh, criticisms judging on how much you like the film. I didn't see it. Okay. I mean, you brought up the camera reflection you saw. I didn't see it. (laughs) There wasn't a trivia bit on here that said the guy got shot twice. Yeah. I guess for me, I don't just rely on other people's notes when I when I watch a film and talk about it. You obviously just <laughs> My like God. just look at what everyone else is saying. You're like, oh well, it's not written there, so it there didn't has happen. been so many movies. I'm like, hey, did you see this thing that happened? Like the heat episode when I said, hey, did you look in the rear? You see in the rearview mirror when the car was driving off that you can see this, the people in the background. You're like, nah, five stars. I didn't see it, <laughs> and it's a five star film. What's going to happen here? I didn't see your cut. That's Maybe fine. a five-star film. Who knows? Wink. <laughs> I'm not saying that takes any marks away from the film. It's just I saw it and I brought it up. Right. And I brought it up in heat. And I didn't care. Exactly. I don't care here. So <laughs> are we going to reverse roles? You're like, oh, you're, only, you're subjective. You only look at the things that you want in films you like or not. Maybe so. Yeah. All right. Enjoy a film, Hendo. That's right. Ripping the girl out of the window. Pretty aggressive. Apparently, he could only do that because- I mean, you can't do it gently. 
but it looks it looks aggressive because it cuts to me when he's half, when she's halfway out the window when he's like ripping her out of there. I did see some trivia that because of the lack of budget, they couldn't close off the street. He basically had to do that when the light went green so he could get in and drive off. Oh, really? So as soon as the light went green, he had to rip her out of the window, get in the car and drive off. Jesus. Yeah. We get some conversation here about Mr. Blonde doing what he did. He's a madman. Do you see what he was doing? Already setting up that this guy is crazy before we even see him after the fact here. Yeah, the setup for Blonde is huge here. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen anything like that? No. Nah. And like White's so angry at Joe for putting them in the same room together. Yeah. He's like, they're furious. Yeah. Like this guy Blonde is a psycho from everything they're saying. Just this otherworldly psychopath. And then when you go back to the first scene, he's does he say a word? Oh yeah, he goes, Yeah, hey, you want me to kill this guy? It's yeah. Like, Ooh, he yeah. might have meant that. <laughs> he probably did mean it, honestly. I mean, he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where we get more concealment that Mr. Orange is not the rat because they're trying. They're talking about who do you think it was? Do you think it's yeah. him? He's like, I saw that guy take a bullet. Don't you be fucking calling him a rat? Yeah, it's like, oh Jesus, all right. Like he clearly is not the rat. He's like, how do I know you're not the rat? Now you're using your fucking head. Yeah, seriously, like, yeah. like, yeah, you're right though. There's really not a lot of options though. If if the point, if the like first half point of this film is there's a rat, who is it? There's not a lot of options. I mean, who is it? It like it's white, pink, blonde, and orange. Not Joe, not Nice Guy Eddie. Brown and blue are dead. Yeah, it's white, pink, white, white, pink, blonde, or orange. And it's not blonde because he was just shooting people. Yeah. It's it's one of those three. Yeah. It has to be orange. Yes. Wow. They really should have thought about that a bit more logically. I mean, you don't think about it. Yeah, it's true. In the moment. But they do, they do, white does talk about a job that he had a while ago where there was a rat on it. And they just, they bailed before it even happened. Yeah. 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 But here's where we get our, what, our first cutback. To Mr. White's backstory? I mean, we get our first cut back to a backstory. Oh, yeah. We had the cut back to Pink running down the street. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But this is where the uh, Mr. White uh, comes up. Yeah, Mr. White. Uh, Tarantino title cards. Yes, of course. Will be a staple. Uh, yeah. Probably the slowest point in the film. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably would compare this to the Mr. Blonde story as well. Like, it's these are pretty similar where they're talking to Joe. But I feel like... The blonde backstory is a better story. There's more in depth He's like, there. hey, I've just got out of prison. Thanks so much for everything you did for me, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a, there's a discussion there. What's White's story here? This, this is really, this story here is about how he gets into this job. Mr. Blonde's story- Is they, a backstory for Mr. Blonde. They briefly mention, oh, well, if you really want to get into it now, we've got this job coming up. Yeah. And that's the end of, the, end of it. The rest yeah. of it is, you know, how he's, he's so ingratiated with Nice Guy Eddie yeah. and what they're going to do for him now and his idiot parole officer, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is mainly about- We've got a thing set up here. Oh, how many guys you got? You know, this many people. Okay, shouldn't be too shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, I mean, it, this this I, I agree. I think this is the weakest point of the film. Yeah, it does show that Mr. White and Joe have been friends or know each other for a very long time prior to this, hmm. which makes it much more significant at the end when they're holding a gun at each other. Yep, yeah. yep. I would say it also immediately eliminates him as a rat suspect. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's pink. <laughs> It's weird that we don't get a pink backstory at all, isn't it? I don't need it. He's just a he's just a random guy. He's a professional. He's a fucking professional, all right? I mean, there's four thieves that are alive, and we get three of their backstories. I wonder if they ever thought about doing a pink meeting up with them. Because I don't think that he doesn't. I don't think he needs a backstory. Like he's just. I mean, the- does Blonde need a backstory? Yeah, I feel like he does. This next scene is so good, where we cut back to the warehouse. And Pink and White are, once again, talking about who's a rat and everything that's gone on with this. Um, 
this heist. And this is where White's just like, and because Pink is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, if he, well, that settles it. If he wants to be dropped off at the hospital, drop him off. He doesn't know enough about us. Yeah. And he's like, ah, I may have told him my name. What? And White fucking goes off. Pink goes off. Then White goes off because Pink's mad at him. And White's like, it was my fault. He got shot. He's a bloody mess. He's screaming. Yeah. And he asked me to tell him his name. What the fuck was I supposed to do? Tell him I'm sorry. I don't trust you enough. Well, maybe I should have, but I couldn't. I loved it. I thought Harvey Cartel was so good in this. Yeah, scene. that's true. He's very. He's, he's just. He's just walking around. and He's like, <clears throat> and he's like, he's not a tall man, but he's got no. this. <clears throat> he's, he's real he's muscular. To him. He's very gruff. Oh, he's yeah. so good. Yeah. Have you seen Mean Streets? Half. Bad Lieutenant. No. Mean Streets is is good. Uh, I, I, I mean, I say half. I think I've seen it all, but honestly, I, I may have watched it on a screen that was, like, that big in bad quality. Wow, that's awful. I need to watch it again. Yeah, good film. I'm sure it is. Well, another serious, gruff role that he plays is, you know when he plays that prison guy in the Grand Budapest Hotel, when he's all tattooed up and he's got a shaved head? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely, he can play that really menacing, tough guy role, even though he's, you know, like you said, uh, he's not he's not a tall guy, he's not a big burly bloke but it's it's the presence that he mm. gives it's uh it's fantastic taxi driver yes of course that's right that's yes. the other film yes yes yeah, so, <laughs> are well, you I'm really not, missing this one <laughs> i know him from other things i swear <laughs> but it's here after white and pink like are doing this screaming match at each other the camera is just slowly pulling back and reveals blonde just cash as anything yep leaning sipping on against a drink. her sipping on his drink your kids shouldn't play so rough. <laughs> and this is coming from, you know, this psycho killer guy. Yeah. He's like, you guys are too rough there. But that's the thing. That's what potential psychos do. They're just cool and calm. It's, such a, it's yeah. such a funny setup. Yeah. Michael Madsen, hey? Is he ever be- has he ever been better? No. God, no. Never close. What's, what's, the, what's the next closest thing? Bud. Has to be Bud. I, Bud. I haven't seen Wyatt Earp. Okay. He's in Free Willy. Oh, yeah. He's also in Die Another Day as well. Plays like this American no, stop it. guy. Yeah, this is his best role. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's not close. Get some good lines, like you said at the start. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? What'd you say? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Pink's like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. You know what's going to happen. He's like, oh, shit. Oh. And then we get some casual N-word thrown in. And honestly, I've seen this movie a lot. Maybe the times have changed, but man, it took me off guard. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember that that, that was in there. I didn't and then when it, like when pink, like, pink just throws it out like so casual. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, not cool, not cool. Uh, but blonde has a little surprise for them in the trunk of the car, and here's where you get the start of a classic Tarantino trope: the shot from the the, the trunk. Yep. yep, I love how they all just laugh. Like they're all excited about this. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy. For sure. But yeah. this guy is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Boltz. I don't mean performance. Oh. I mean, character-wise, for this guy not to break. Yeah, I love it how... Because I, I, I swore that he didn't know anything. Yeah. And then at the end, like he, when when he sees what happens, and he's like, yeah, I heard there was I heard there was someone here. I heard your name. Is his name Marvin? Yeah. 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 I was like, Marvin, I'm a cop. I know. <laughs> I met him. Like, six months ago. <laughs> I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We will. But now we get the blonde uh, yeah. backstory. Vic Vega. Yes. 
Uh, allegedly, John Travolta's brother. Brother of Vincent Vega. Yes. Oh, no, it's not allegedly. It's it's uh, fact by Quentin Tarantino. means nothing. How, what, do you, what do you think a, a Vega brothers? Terrible. Terrible. You wouldn't have liked a Vega Brothers movie? No. Like a Madsen Travolta team up? Why would I want that? You get all these classic people, get a you know, get a bit of nice guy Eddie in there. Come on. A bit of Marcellus Wallace. But then we may not have gotten Jackie Brown. You, Jackie Brown. You give a little nod like you're sarcastic. Jackie Brown's really tell you good. What, tell you what, I would I would happily lose Death Proof for a Vega Brothers film. How's that? I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. Sure. I wouldn't replace any any other film. Nah. I mean, like you said, what, what can you do? I mean, just another crime film with these two guys. Yeah. They would never be any they would never be better than what they were in their initial films. Yeah, and that's my issue. Yeah. Travolta will never be as cool as he was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Madsen will never be as thin. I mean, as cool as he was in Wow. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus damn. I mean, that man ages poorly. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> Kill Bill was 12 years after this, Endo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you want to talk about Seymour Scagnetti? He's an asshole. Apparently. Uh, sounds like he's a good parole officer, though. Yeah, but to the criminals, he's an asshole. Yeah, but I think this is great at showing how good nice guy Eddie here is at. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll get you, you know, working shoot. He's like, I don't want to be fucking lifting boxes. No, no, no. You don't ever have to go there. <laughs> never go there. And if, and if they come around... So he drove up to wherever yeah. for the day. So like every time. So you don't even need to go there and punch him. We'll get that sorted for you. Yeah, they really want to take care of him. And that, again, sets up how serious Nice Guy Eddie is at the end. Mm. When he when Orange is trying to say that Blonde was the one that did it, he's like, yeah. mate. Yeah. And you see them, like, cuddling here. Yeah. And it's like, did you see that? Did you see that? He tried to fuck me. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. He <laughs> tried to fuck me, Dad. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> oh, so much black semen being pumped up his ass oh, in jail that Jesus. it's coming out his mouth. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> we haven't mentioned the uh, KB Billy Super Sounds of the 70s soundtrack. No, we haven't. Probably because we've only heard one song off it so far. It's soothing. Yes. Stephen Wright. Do you know Stephen Wright at Hold all? Hold on. Did they mention it at the, the diner? Yeah. You've been listening to KB? Yeah. And then when they leave, it's like, no, it's time for KB, silly sounds of the 70s. Huh. Stephen Wright, this comedian who just is essentially his shtick. He's, he's a comedian? He, yeah, he deadpanned. He's a deadpan comedic genius, apparently. Not my words. You said it. Yeah. He'd be like that kind of guy. He'd be like, so I just walked into a bar. Man, that hurt. Might have been funnier when he said it. I was waiting for the laugh track. Oh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they bed up this cop for a bit, whatever. Then nice guy Eddie comes in. He's not happy. Were the punches convincing on the cop? No, they weren't great. I feel like Steve Buscemi did the, ha! <laughs> like, just... And he's like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice guy Eddie shows up, uh, wondering what the fuck happened. Never really gets angry at Mr. Blonde no. when he finds out what he did. No, because he loves Blonde so much. Yeah. You know, and then... Blonde is just like, listen, if they didn't do what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. It's great. Mm, kind of buys it. There is like maybe one or two times where Nice Guy, he turns around and looks at him like, just, just, just shut the fuck up for now, please. But he seems to be more angry at white and pink for some reason. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But Eddie takes white and pink out to move the cars and get the diamonds, which leaves Blonde with the cop yeah, to, and Orange on the ramp. Yeah, to basically start to see, oh, this guy is a psycho. Hmm. Once people are going, he's like, well, <laughs> you and me. Al alone at last. Here we go. This is a very iconic scene. It is my. Excellent. 
Now, I did write probably excellent because I wasn't 100% sure at this point. Like, yep. this was the only one so far that could get yeah, there. Yep. There were two more that came up throughout the okay. film. But in the end, I thought, this this one is just so memorable, so iconic. Stuck in the middle with you, playing while mm. Madsen's just been a crazy lunatic, dancing around with his blade. Yeah, he is crazy. People say that, that like this, oh, it's so gory, it's so violent. It's not. No. But it's the impression that it leaves on you. People are like... I've read stuff about people leaving the cinema at this point when it was like during its opening night that I couldn't handle it because of the way it is shown the close up of the blade coming out of the foot like the the music playing and and the the way the camera moves around the, the cop's face as he's just like yeah. like he's so nervous the way Blonde says like I'm just going to torture because I like to torture cops he's and, like torture I like that word yeah dancing around slashes him on the face and then because you feel like you do see it but you don't like he you see him start to go at the ear and it moves away the camera just pulls away yeah actually very reminiscent of uh scorsese's techniques in taxi driver where the camera will just completely move away from the action focus on like an empty corridor and then come back yeah that's what happens here it's it's what your imagination is is left up to here Mm. have you seen obviously you've seen the the actual shot of it being cut off I might have a really long time ago. Yeah, I remember um, Brother Shane had the two-disc DVD of this. Yes. And I watched all the special features and all that. Yeah. And you do see the the version where he cuts it off. It's obviously much better where they don't show it. Yeah, especially when they go back to the cop's face and you see like the, the, yeah, the, the, the ear where it was going. You've got like the three different holes yeah. there. It's like, yeah. like that's enough. That's yeah. all you need to see. And of course, Mr. Blonster, like he's, hello, is this thing on? Hello? Like, <laughs> like you son of a bitch. <gasps> What about the big one shot of him walking out, going out, grabbing His the, car, yeah, come back. Grabbing the I gasoline? I like the way the uh, sound is used here. Yes. Where he walks out and the sound goes down. Then he obviously walks back in the warehouse and that stuck in the middle with you comes yeah, back. Yeah, keeps, keeps going on. There's, a, there's a, a line here that the cop says where he goes, I've got kids, I've got a family. Hmm. And apparently that wasn't part of the script. Yeah. And Michael Madsen really that really hit him hard because he had a fan he has a family at that point and when he heard that he sort of dropped out of character and if because I, I read that before i watched this again yeah if you listen in closely you can hear tarantino say oh no like after he says that very faintly that he was like oh no like this has happened like he's gonna like get upset or jesus yeah so i listen in very carefully and yeah you can when he says i've got kids man he says oh no like in the background jesus very weird. That is weird. Yeah. Fucking amateur filmmakers. Wow. So much hate for Tarantino. Do you even like films? <sighs> Film bro. Anyway, so he's about to light him on fire and just out of nowhere, just gets shot up. Do you, so good. Do you hear his, do you know what his last line was before he gets shot? No. He has a Wizard of Oz reference. It's like, his little fire scarecrow. Nice. Yeah. From the witch. How about a little fire scarecrow? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you just see like orange, just like yeah, bang, 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 bang. Oh yeah, and he he just hot because blonde's not down yet. Like blonde's still trying to get up, and he's like just mm. holding the gun there. Mm. Yeah, really, really good. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love the ending to Mister Blonde here. Yeah, and the beginning of Mister Orange. Mister Orange, hey, the rat. They talk about yeah, how orange is an undercover cop. 
They have a little, little yeah, catch yeah. up here. Yeah, they met five months ago, and it's like I don't remember that at all. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time you've done that. What? That's how he sounds. You don't think so? <laughs> okay, he just got his ear cut off and he's doused in gasoline. I'm not making fun of him. It definitely I'm sounds like you are. To the part. Oh, okay. Okay. Right Which on. is what he did. Cops are a couple of blocks away. It'll be fine. Fine. I'm fucking deformed, man. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm fucking dying here. I'm fucking dying. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. Oh, it's I'm, like I'm fucking dying. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. This guy's complaining because he's lost an ear. And the other guy is about to die. Yeah, he's fucked. Yeah, it's so good. <gasps> but the Mister Orange backstory here, yep. obviously the more the most extensive of the three backstories here. Yes, I think this is fantastic. This was not this part of the story per se, where he's talking to his uh, I guess it's his police informant or his his, you know, his PA or whatever it is. I love it how this is like a, a double setback in time because where he's talking to him in the diner here is after he's already been ingratiated because it goes back to when he because he's he's um his mate goes did you tell him the story mm. and it cuts back to him learning the story or mm. him understanding what the story is mm. then him learning it badly yes and then it cuts to him practicing it and yes. learning it better and it cuts to him at the place actually doing it plot twist but not just that his his story is so in depth. That he's saying here that he's he like they ask him any questions and he's got the answers for it. Mm. And it gets to the point where when he's in that in the he's in the story, right? And he's talking, those that story in that is a fake story as well. What? <sighs> when do you have anything to say about this? I mean I mean you're just you're just taking I'm, this I'm, whole I'm, fifteen minute chunk of orange and you're just like A, B, C, D, E. I'm letting you go. You're doing I'm very well. I'm talking about why this is so good. Yeah, because go for it. it's so in depth. And I love it how Tim Roth is actually in the story as it's circling around him. Explaining the story. Yeah, the, my favorite bit of this is when Tim Roth is inside the bathroom. Yeah, and you've got the three cops, and he's telling the story as though he's telling the story, but the three cops are standing there. Did you it's know fantastic. that that wasn't actually part of it? So what had happened there was they needed to know how long to circle around Tim Roth. That was going to be voiceover. Mm. And so what they did was they said, Tim, can you just say the story as we circle around so we know exactly how long? And they That's did great. it like, and Tarantino's like, oh, this is better. Yeah. Let's do that. So they did it again properly. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. This this part here was another potential excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's very well done. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. The and Tim Roth is amazing in this. Yeah. He's really, really good. Great, great understanding of this Mr. Orange character and how far he went to get into the group. And then we get some more out-of-date conversations here. How so? I'm talking about the conversation that they're having in the car about the differences between white women and black women and how they control their men. And all that. And there's a Pam Grier reference. Yeah, it was it was funny to hear the Pam Grier reference. So, like, we obviously know Tarantino really goes in-depth on, you know, obscure references and that. Yeah. So, at that point, yeah, back in 1992, when they're referencing this very obscure television show, and I'm sitting there going, what? Mm. What TV show is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It, I mean, my... 99% of people who see this film have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And the yeah, the joy of it isn't that, oh, yeah, I know that. It's just seeing these guys talk casually, you know, about stuff that isn't, you know, work. Like, these are, this is an insight to who these guys are. Even if the conversations are very... Uh, dated. Dated, for sure. And I love that they're all laughing in the warehouse. Sorry, they're all laughing in the car. And then it cuts to them all laughing in this warehouse again. And Joe's out front with the blackboard or whatever he's got. He's like, ha, 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 ha. He's like, yeah. yeah, I heard a story. <laughs> and he tells a story about all these guys spend so much time laughing and messing around, and then they all got caught. Yeah. Joe, he's so good here. Yeah. Gives them all their names, their aliases. Why am yeah. I Mr. Pink? You can't all pick your own names. 
because everybody wants to be Mr. Black. And since none of you know each other, no one's going to back down. It's true. But even when he, <laughs> he's like, why don't you just be Mr. Purple? You're not Mr. Purple. You're Mr. Pink. <laughs> I got another guy. And then Steve is saying, Mr. Pink's just like, eh, it's beneath me. Don't worry about it. He's just like, I'll move on when I feel like it. (laughs) Such an (laughs) asshole. Okay, but now we get the Brown backstory. Well, his death story, I guess. Yeah. He's already shot when we see him. Like, he's driving and he's got blood pouring down his head. He's been shot in the head. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, stops and dies. He's like, I can't see anything. It's like he's blind. It's like, yeah, you're not blind. He's got blood in your your eyes. He's trying to comfort him. Yeah. Mr. White unloads on this car. Yeah. Like, he's a stone cold killer. When he has to be. Exactly. Yeah. Does not mind killing cops. And I guess that co- that kind of sets him up as well in the showdown that he is very willing to kill. Did you kill anybody? Uh, cops. No real people? Nah. <laughs> no real people. That's what yeah. Mr. Pink says to Mr. White. Yeah. And he's like, nah. Just cops. They're real people. But they get away. They try to hijack this car. And yeah, the course of woman's got the gun in the glove compartment. Shoots him in the belly. Yep. And when he shoots her- Do you know who that woman is? I feel like it was uh, someone part of the crew. Yes. Was it the editor? No. Come on. It's not the editor. It's the um, dialect coach, who I also believe is a woman who gets shot uh, in the- In, in Pulp? In Pulp yeah. Fiction. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, fair enough. I'm yes. surprised you don't know that no, trivia. No, no, you mentioned I did read that trivia. Oh, you did. Just found it uh, beneath me. So you picked it up, of course. I mean, I, I already knew it, though. Oh, yeah. I didn't read it. Oh, yeah. I haven't read it. Oh, you just knew it. You just knew it. Yeah. I haven't read anything about this You just film. knew it. You watch this film and you're like, she looks like a dialect. No, coach. no, no. Because I watched the special features like ah, 10 years ago. So More. You, you acquired the information 16 through- 16 years ago. You acquired the information through something else. I mean, all information is acquired through something else. Right. So what is the difference between you finding it out and me finding it out? You just found it out when you watched it many years ago. Because I'm a true fan. Oh, I see. Right? Who doesn't need to do all this research. I just, from the hip. I mean, if I didn't do the research, it'd be a pretty boring episode. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, I think it'd be would. better. We'd riff more. I, I They would heard, laugh and laugh. I've heard from multiple <laughs> accounts that the trivia is the best part I don't, of the no, no one has ever said. Not one person ever said, hey, guys, love the trivia. <laughs> I haven't heard any uh, response saying, your trivia is lower now and I'm not happy with this. <laughs> but you see the sad look on his face when he shoots this woman. Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's so depressed that yeah. this happened. Yeah. And he's then snap happy. cut to him the like, start bleeding of the film, out. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 which is great. But Full circle. We've got Eddie back at the warehouse and he's furious that Blonde is dead. Yeah. And Orange is like, nah, he went crazy. He's going to shoot this cop. Was, oh, oh, this guy? Like yeah. this? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. All it's right. Like, Let me tell you a little something about this guy. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Just- when Orange is telling him, like, yeah, he 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 said he was going to kill everyone, kill you guys, and got back and take the, take the yeah, diamonds. Yeah, that's like, right. It's like, it's like, so here's what you're telling me. You, you're telling me all this. And then as soon as he agrees, he's like, let me tell you a story about this guy. Yeah. He's going to decide out of the fucking blue to rip us off. Why don't you tell me what really happened? Oh, Chris Penny. He's like, why don't you tell me what really happened? <laughs> but he is he's a psycho. Yeah. He is so intimidating here. Yeah. Joe shows up. Yes, sa- he does. Says the truth. He's the cop. Yeah. He's the only one I wasn't uh, yeah. sure of. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't trust his own instincts. But White is so adamant. White won't let this go. He's so trustworthy with this guy. Yep. Pulls the gun on him. Have you lost your fucking mind? Yeah. <laughs> and Pink is like, ah, we're supposed to be acting like fucking professionals here. <laughs> if you kill that man, you die next. I repeat, if you kill that man, you die next. <laughs> God damn you, Joe. Don't make me do this. Now stop pointing that 
fucking got it, my dad. That's a great line yeah. as well. And then that. bang, 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 everything goes off. Yeah. Obviously, nice guy Eddie gets shot by no one because the blood squibs went off too early. I mean, that's not true. I mean, what happened then? Are you having me on? Do you actually not know? What happened? Oh, wow. So, I remember when I did my research 16 years ago, <laughs> I remember, like, who shot Nice Guy Eddie was a t-shirt. Like, yeah. this was a thing. Like, oh, wait a minute. No one was pointing their gun at Nice Guy Eddie. Who shot Nice Guy Eddie? I watched this in super, super slow motion. Mr. White clearly goes bang, bang. Really? Mate, a thousand percent. You watch it. I, I am beyond surprised that you don't know this information. Mr. White shoots. He goes bang, bang, really quick. This is not a fake squib going off that shouldn't have. I was under the impression that Mr. Pink shot him while he was hiding. Well, that's just stupid. Oh, of course it is. I mean, actually, it's not stupid. It makes sense. I guess, that someone had to kill him. It's clearly white. I heard from the man himself that the blood scripts went off too early. He's wrong. You watch. Okay, we'll watch it again. Watch it. Do another breakdown. So the end here, right? Mr. Pink, he gets up and heads on out. What, what do, you, do, you, do you know the fate of Mr. Pink? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because you hear it all. Yes, yeah. you do. You crank up the volume yep. and you hear Pink like yelling at the cops. Yep. They show up. He just put the gun down. Yeah. All that. So he gets he gets caught. He gets done. It's not like, you know, like he, he escapes, which is what you which is what it's led to believe where he runs out and then you don't see him again. Yeah. No, he gets caught because you can hear it all in the background. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But obviously the end here, Mr. White comforts Mr. Orange who reveals he's a cop. I'm a cop, Larry. So why do you think that he I did this? I <laughs> why, do, why do you think Orange reveals this? Because he knows he's going to die and in this moment he's holding, he's being held by this man and comforted in his dying moments and he wants to get this off his chest because he legitimately likes Larry. This guy, yeah, trusted him yeah. enough to the point where he yeah. shot all these people that he yep. knew yep. Yeah, for him. And yeah, there's a very, very, very strong chance that Mr. Orange is about to die anyway. Yeah. So you you got to tell him. It's a respect thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And obviously Mr. White loses, snaps a little bit here. He pulls the gun on him. It does zoom in. They all come in. Put the gun down, put the gun down. And then there's the one shot and then two more and he falls to the ground. The end. Yep. So I think it's pretty clear that he does shoot Mr. Orange directly in the face. And then two more shots and White's down. I mean, as obvious as what you just said yep. is how obvious who shot no, Nice no, Guy No, 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 no. Because there wasn't a t-shirt like, did Mr. Orange die? I mean, I'm surprised you haven't made it. You're that dumb. Wow. I, I, that is one of the most hurtful things you've ever said. You love this film and you don't know what happens at the end of it. I just said what happened. No. You're like, oh, no, uh, blood squib went off. No one shot him. It's like, what? <sighs> you disappoint me, Hendo. And on that note. Any last words? Final thoughts, Dean. <laughs> well, I love this film. I think for what it is, it is close to perfection. But it is a cheaply made film. <sighs> I'll, I'll just say it now. I don't give this film five stars. Why do you knock films that are cheaply made? Because it you looks just, cheaply do you have, do you made. Just, do you, it's a cheap made film. Should be more expensively looking. You should look at it and go, this looks like it cost $10 million. Rinse to recommend. Listen, the script is amazing. The performances are amazing. It's very rewatchable. It's just I don't have the passion for it that I have for my other five-star films. Fair enough. You can have phenomenal four-and-a-half-star films, but if I'm not like passionate about it, it's not five stars for me. Fine, fair enough. But don't go on saying, oh, it's a low budget. So, because it's a low budget, it looks low budget. It looks a little cheap. So what? I'm just saying it looks <laughs> a little cheap. You don't have to defend it. I will defend it. You don't even know what happens in the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Look, cheapness aside of this film, I think it is a fantastic director's debut from Quentin Tarantino. Undoubtedly. Who goes on to make many other amazing better films. films. Correct. Yeah, he does make at least one better film. Yes. Maybe even two. 
Yes. Three, yeah. four. Nah, maybe three. Ooh, maybe four. Hey, this- <laughs> As I'm going Actually, through. Actually, Tarantino's kind of an amazing director. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All the actors in this film shine. Kaitel, Buscemi, Madsen, are you- and Roth. Bender. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> they are all fantastic, great characters, great personalities. Such a simple story. You don't even see the robbery. It's not even about that. It's the after effects of what happens and what happens previous to that, mm. where you learn these characters. The, the needle drops in this film, the song choices are fantastic. Mm. Work so incredibly well. They do. The showdown at the end is one of the all-time greatest Memorable. showdowns. Absolutely. The ending is fantastic. It is violent, but not... But it, I guess you get... I mean, by today's standards, it's not. I'll tell you now. Yeah, there's just a lot of blood in this film. In like two scenes, there's a lot of blood. There's so much blood coming out of Mr. Orange, the entirety of this film. Yeah, Yeah. The script is magnificent. I genuinely have nothing bad to say about this film. Hmm. Easily gets a... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Very good, Hendo. I'm glad you enjoyed films, even if you don't fully understand them. I'm just going to ignore that. Moving on. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to sit on your rankings? Okay, so I gave a four and a half, and I will say it is a strong four and a half. So let's look at, what do we got here? Wolf of Wall Street currently sitting at number 33, and I think it's better than the Wolf of Wall Street. Then we get to Two Towers, better than that. No Country for Old Men is probably where it's going to get pretty tough for me. Ugh. I think I like the idea of No Country for Old Men more than the actual film. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Dogs ahead of that. Then we hit Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's better than Wizard of Oz. Then we hit Cinema Paradiso. I'm gonna say it's better than that too. Now we get to my current highest ranked four and a half star film in the mood for love. Fuck it. I'm gonna put it above in the mood for wow. love. Wow. <laughs> it is going to be my new number. 28. All right. I am actually going to start it at 28 here at the bottom of my five-star list, and let's see how far up it can go. It is better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I think it's better than The Terminator, as well as The Prestige. I think it's better than Your Name as well. We hit The Wizard of Oz here, and I think this is going to keep going forward up to LA Confidential, which I think it's better than. Cinema Paradiso is next, and I think this is better than Cinema Paradiso. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is next. And I think that's where it's going to stop. I'm going to put Reservoir Dogs as my new number 23. Oh, very good. Yes, indeed. I'm glad you didn't go too high on it. Nah, look, it's it's a five-star, but... Yeah, it's pretty average. <laughs> Just an average five-star <laughs> film. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, before we continue, we'd just like to say that this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for almost three years now. Yes. Ne- nearly there, Dean. Nearly there. I can't wait till we get there. It's going to be such a monumental moment in this uh, segment of the episode. 
Yes, we are in the middle of our Terminator series over there. We have just released the episode on Terminator Salvation. Ah, will it be the franchise's salvation? You have to wait to find out. Yes, that will come out on our YouTube channel in a little while, but for this week, we are dropping the question of the week that we're putting out this week. We're putting out our top five needle drops over on our YouTube channel this week. Yes, we are. A very good topic as a music lover, myself, Endo. We also put out our review of Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. Big conversation over there. It was an interesting conversation, I'll say that. Yeah, what a massive steaming pile of awesomeness that that was. <laughs> and we've also got heaps of other things we're putting out over there, so head on over to our YouTube channel and check out what we've got to offer. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is, and this oh. could be it. Oh! Where we let our patrons review the films that we break down. First one here from Luke James Human. This revolutionized cinema. Suddenly, gone were the stilted exchanges between characters to provide exposition and plot progression. Instead, we heard the voices of the protagonist and antagonist as if we were a fly on the wall. This was the birth of a new, cool cinema for viewers brought up on traditional narrative style and conventional plot. Add to all of this a timeless aesthetic and some groundbreaking needle drops, and you have a directorial debut that truly deserves its influence in popular culture. Great review there, Luke. Yes, thanks for that, Luke. Next up, we have one from David Powell. It's dogs. It's good. You want more? Yes. Yes, David, we do. This is the dawn of modern script writing. Tarantino brokered a new genre with dogs, taking the elements of 70s independent filmmakers as exemplified by the likes Cassavetes and Peckinpah. That is Cassavetes and Peckinpah, yes. Yeah, of course. And melding them with the crassest of exploitation cinema, QT made his own genre, custom fit to his video store clerk sensibilities, and he changed cinema forever. Forever and ever and ever. Thanks that, David. Yeah, thanks, David, and thank you, Luke. But, of course, let's get to... Shane! Wow, what a movie. You know, I think I can take off my critical hat today and just put my feet up. Because Reservoir Dogs is an absolute banger. Maybe the worst thing about the movie is the title, which, you know, only works if you use your imagination. Although I do remember having the DVD and they play that Are You Gonna Bark All Day, Little Doggy line every five seconds on a, you know, on a loop on the menu screen. Oh, and then they also played the, the sheriff's dog barking in there as well. So I think there are, there are going to be a few more people expecting some dog references in this movie, you know, or... Or at least maybe some Reservoir references. <laughs> anyway, Pulp Fiction I struggled on initially, but I, I never had the same problems with Reservoir Dogs. It's such a great movie. What I remember from that first watch was how powerful the Mr. Blonde torture scene was and how sharply the film just veered off in di- into different territory after that. With moments like that, you know, you only really get to experience them once. What does hold up on repeated viewings is the dialogue in this movie. I'm getting to the point where I know most of the lines before the characters say them. Yes, it's one of those movies. But even still, I'm just in awe of how well written the lines are and how funny. Joe is probably the most underrated character in the movie. Absolutely hilarious. I I wish he was, you know, I wish the actor, um, Lawrence Tyranny, was in more stuff or at least, you know, more stuff that I've seen. Every, everyone else, though, you know, it's just on the A-game. Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blonde are just unbelievably awesome. Who to live out? Um, Mr. Orange, I probably like him the least. Overall, despite it, you know, being, you know, somewhat amateur film, Reservoir Dogs never feels dated. It never gets old. The acting is too good. The dialogue is too good. 
and with you know a quick 95 minute or so runtime there's no you know there's no room for filler in the movie so this gets an amazing amazing incredible outstanding from me all right wow we got a little sound bite there from old Shane. Hey, should I, should was... I play that that amazing clip you did at the end there from now on for us? <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, he, he's, he's, he's telling the jokes on that one. Yeah, a little bit of humour wrapped in the a review few there. Chuckles from Shane. I reckon, and you can tell they were jokes because he was laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> nah, thanks for that, Shane. Thank Fantastic. you very much, Shane. All right, mate, let's get to. That's my question. The question, jerk where we asked our Facebook listener discussion group and our patrons this week what their favourite needle drop in films were. Now, if you aren't part of our Facebook listener discussion group, get on over there. We'll leave a link in the description. We've got plenty of different movie convos and all good fun stuff happening over there. First one here is from the man we just heard, Brother Shane, said, It's hard. Too many to name, too many can be missed. But Freebird from The Devil's Rejects, Kissed by a Rose from the 2015 <laughs> Vacation. What? Rock On from Dream a Little Dream. Nice. Love Gun by Detroit Rock City. Where Is My Mind by Fight Club. And Golden Hair by Mysterious Skin. That is an interesting list. Uh, next up from Nerdrovert. So many to choose from. The first one that stands out in my mind is Layla in Goodfellas. Very good. Fellas. Yes, of course. <laughs> Brian Grabianowski says, does Hurdy Gurdy Man at the end of Zodiac count? I would say it would. I don't know what that is, but yes. I mean, it's a needle drop. Of course yes. it is. Yes. Lastly here from Chris Beardsall, this might be some recency bias, but I'm going with Trainspotting 2. Renton is trying to avoid his past for the majority of the film, and there is even a moment where he pulls the needle off the groove because he can't handle going back to that time. But the film climaxes with him back in his childhood bedroom, dropping the needle, and Iggy Pop's lust for life kicks in and euphoria takes over. It's a very good description. I am thoroughly impressed with that pick. It, it's a very good one there, Chris. Thank you very much, guys, for putting in those responses. We do have our top five needle drops over on our YouTube channel. Spoiler alert, there may be a transporting pick by yours truly. Maybe. There's not. <laughs> Way to throw them off. <laughs> The good, the bad. All right, Dean. I watched 2021's yesterday. I didn't feel it was necessary to make a very like a you know an extra long video of this movie. It is a Netflix film starring Jennifer Garner, very centered towards kids. Have you heard about like not the movie yesterday, but but the idea of yesterday? No. So I remember seeing Day. it pop up in a viral thing that went out a little while ago, where you let your kids oh yes. have one day of yeses. Yes, I and do remember that. Of course, Hollywood turned it into a movie. Of course, they did. Yes, and it is a harmless kids film. We all watched it together. It was enjoyable enough. They all go do fun things. There's pop music playing with montages of them going to do fun things. There's family lessons to be learned here. The three kids, the mum, the dad, they all have their you know things that they did wrong that they learn about. The kids loved it. It's enjoyable enough. But there's not. I don't really have much to say about it. It's it's one of those films. It's three stars. Okay. Yeah. Could go two and a half. So you recommend I go and see it immediately? I, I would say you sit down with the kids and I think the family will have a good enough time with it. Mm. Is there a Snyder Cut version? <laughs> Release the Yes Day Snyder Cut version <laughs> four hours long. Do they say no, though? <laughs> so, what's next? 
All right, mate. Next movie is from neither of us this time. It is also not a random pick. Ooh. To a degree. We have now we are now letting all of our patrons pick one movie that they would like to see us do every once in a while, and we will randomly pick out one of those movies. And for this one that we got picked out is from our awesome patron Nerd Revert, and he selected Old Boy. Ah. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen this Korean film, Old Boy, and I'm certain I've only seen it once, and I'm certain I quite enjoyed it, so I'm very, very keen to go and check it out again. I think I would have seen it once back in, like, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. Really keen. Yeah, right. Really keen for this one, so thank you, Nerd Revert, for that pick. We look forward to doing our breakdown of it next week, and we hope you all come back to check that one out. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this episode, and we'll see you next week for Old Boy. Bye.